Hello, beautiful tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Uvita. Thousands of years ago, before modern medicine proved scientific evidence for mind and body connection, the sages of India developed Ayurveda, which continues to be one of the most sophisticated, powerful mind and body health systems up to date. And I can begin to tell you, tribe, that it's about putting the power back in your hands. And the company that's helping you do that is Uvita. I've been on Uvita for a couple months now so that I can have a healthy gut and be able to clear my gut and be able to have the best digestive system that I can have. Because healing your gut allows the body to build a stronger immune system and produce the right kind of bacteria that tells your brain that it's okay to feel good. And as, as everyone knows, I'm the shaman who likes to stay lit and make sure the tribe is lit all day long. And so it's important for us to feel good in our bodies and it's important for us to live a very healthy life. Uvita is a company that is doing that. They are utilizing the knowledge and understanding of Ayurveda in their company, wild harvested and organically grown herbs that they synergistically create in an Ayurvedic way to be able to give you what you need for your body to sustain health, wellness, and vitality. Everything that they have in their company is based in integrity, ethically sourced from natives who practice sustainability. And I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to share this with you and to have them be one of the sponsors for Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Their products offer everything from immunity to healthy joints and to healthy mood and healthy digestion and a healthy body. What more can you ask for from a company that is bringing Ayurvedic understanding to the Western world in a way that is supporting us and lifting us and shifting us into the greater possibilities of who we are? So I welcome you to experience Uvita. You can even contact them by going to their website, which is www.uvita.com. And you make your first order, type in the word shaman, which is their code for the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast tribe. And you will get 35% off on your order for your first order of Uvita. But I'm telling you, the moment you start taking this product, you're going to see dramatic change in your body and the way you feel. And that is the best. And as the tribe knows, I'm all about putting the power back in your hands. So go ahead and check out Uvita and use my code SHAMAN. And until then, live healthy always and every day in your life. Love you. Hi, tribe. We have another share from a wonderful tribal member by the name of Mark Mills. I know you've heard his song that he created for the tribe before. So here's another one. It's called Go Love Yourself. If you want to follow him, you can on Instagram at Space Dada. I like this one. It's super high energy.
have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, powerful, amazing, beautiful tribe of leaders who are here to just be a part of the share that Ancient Wisdom Today podcast brings to you so that you can nurture yourself and nourish yourself with information that lifts and shifts you and takes you higher in your evolution. Because where we are right now on this planet is that we can't play small anymore. We are giants. And in order to stay giants, in order to stay lit, in order to stay in that place where we are operating from this higher perspective, remember, higher perspective doesn't connect unless we are coming from a place of recognizing that higher perspective means that we have the ability to look through many lens. But lenses that allow us to see possibility, not lenses that hold us back in limitation, scarcity, fear, and all of these other types of energies. And so it's important for us to be able to attune ourselves to that level of thinking and recognizing that that can only happen when we have the conversation, when we engage. Remember, it's all about engagement, tribe, right? And so that's what we're doing here in Ancient Wisdom today is we're engaging and we're stepping into that place. And I am so happy and joyful because my brother is here in the studio with me. And my brother has been in my life for a long time. And when I say long, I mean, I'm talking about like a lot of you know about like when I died in the hospital and the things that I went through and like going through the whole kidney transplant and everything. He was uh, an advocate for helping me to raise funds for getting my kidney transplant. He's been there for me. We support each other. We share with each other. 
And we have such, from the moment we met each other, we have such a beautiful connection of spirit. We are literally kindred spirits operating on this planet and bringing forth truth to remove the veil of illusion and really step into a place of saying, hey, stop putting the responsibility on me. Own your power, love yourself, honor yourself because you're the one that can do it. And he's also an amazing musician. He's one of the world's most sought after drummers and most amazing drummers in the world. And it's funny because when we first met, I didn't even know about his band and he took me to a concert. And when I, a lot of the people around me thought I was crazy because I had no idea. They're like, Smashing Pumpkins, what? I'm like, I have no idea. And then he took me and I, and I saw what he does and I'm just like, oh my God. And then I went back and started looking at all the old stuff that their, their, you know, that their band did. And he's just a genius, but it's not just his drumming. And you know, drumming is about rhythm. It's about connecting and it's about creating that downbeat. And what is downbeat? It represents earth. It represents earth energy. Drums is earth energy and earth is grounding. It's foundation. It's how we build foundation. And that's what he's about. He's about building foundation and he's about getting people into that rhythm. So I'm so happy to welcome into the studio with me, Jimmy Chamberlain. Well, hello there, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for being here for today's share. Thanks for the uh, incredible intro. Of course, it's the truth. It's the way it's got to be. So tell tell you know for like for there's a lot of people you know who are young millennials and you know who aren't familiar you know with who you are and what you do. Kind of give us a little bit of a backstory just to begin about your journey into being this renowned drummer in the world. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's a that's a long uh, story, uh, Shaman Durek, but just to kind of, you know, encapsulate it a little bit. So I'm 54 now. I've been playing the drum since I was eight. So it's been a lifelong uh, journey that is far from over. It's been an incredible and continues to be an incredible learning experience that really you know, foreshadows uh, everything else in my life. I mean, music has been such a part of my life for so long that it really has become more than just an art form for me. It's become the barometer by which all of the other things in my life are measured. And really like my relationship with you, my relationship with my family is really rooted in the amount of accountability I have to my calling, right? Which is music. So... I think once I figured that out, and you were certainly instrumental in helping me figure that out back in, I think, 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. you know, things started to make a lot more sense to me. You know, for years I thought, and I think many people feel like this, that, you know, our experiences can be and are largely predicated on the actions of others, right? And I think many people go through lives in this kind of kind of state of waiting, right? Or, or, or state of like waiting for things to happen so things can happen for them. But I think if, you, if you're around for long enough, you start to realize that, at least I've realized that my experience is a singular experience and it's not really predicated on the actions or, 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 thing, or, or desires of others. It's really my journey and I have sole ownership of it. And it took a long time for me to realize that because especially as a musician, because you're always in a band, right? And you're always with other people. And, and, and oftentimes you can look at your, the things that happen in your life as kind of a group effort, right? But when you live long enough and you, and you take a peek in the rearview mirror and you see the things that were seminal uh, changing points in your life, you realize that they were really singular and wholly unto yourself, right? And I think that's, that's when the power begins, right? I think if you look at 
and I know this is kind of a long-winded answer. No, it's great. <laughs> as it's usual, great. as usual with me, it's but, it's fine. You know, I think I wrote this down uh, knowing that I was coming here this morning. I wrote this down in my notes because I knew we'd be talking about this. Um, but I wanted to just talk about power and kind of the awareness of power. And mm-hmm. I think if you look. Like universal power is what? It's predicated on what? The alignment of forces or heavenly bodies in the universe, right? You know, in a human experience, at least for me, points in time when concentric circles align, they create those powerful opportunities, right? And I think the more we can be aware of these, the more we can kind of harness our own power. You know, my experience, the most successful people I know are hyper aware of this type of alignment and know how to harness it for their benefit. Again, you know, just like the solar system creates this kind of astral energy through the positioning of heavenly bodies, humans too have orbits and they come in and out of each other's orbits all the time. Knowledge of these movements and alignments uh, is what we call power, right? And I think for me and what 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 you certainly opened my eyes to was that, you know, awareness of these universal forces kind of paves the road for you, right? It, it, it creates a tailwind as opposed to a headwind. And, you know, I've, I've used that in everything from my playing to my meditation to my prayer to the way I eat. I mean, everything really has kind of revolved around that kind of ideology um, that you totally made me aware of. Thank I mean, you. you. I appreciate that. I mean, that. You, when I met you, you challenged me to jettison everything that made me comfortable because the things that were making my, me comfortable had been assembled through fear, Right. And it was a scary time in my life, but, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, I had that experience because now coming back and reattaching myself to the band, it's with compassion, empathy, and power, but it also is, is, is of a singular mind and not this kind of group think that it used to be predicated on before. Right. You know, I, I, first of all, I just want to thank you for saying that, but I would always say that, you know, you're the one that created that space for yourself. And I was just there to hold the space. Other times people say they come in to have a session with me and it's actually really not, you're actually coming in having a session with yourself. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) And so like, and it's funny, it's funny because like, even in our relationship and our friendship for the years and years we've been friends, there are times where I'm going through things and I, and you are there helping me to look at myself from a real point of view. And that's, I think that's why our relationship is so great is because we're not willing to bullshit with each other. Like if I'm out of character or if I'm operating from a place of ego, you're the first to be like, like, what is that? Like, what are you doing? You know? And that really creates an honest, you know, way for us to live as human beings. I think I'm going off of what you're saying, you know, when you are this celebrity who is like the world's greatest drummer, you're in the Smashing Pumpkins, you're on every billboard, you're constantly, you know, all around the world and you're living in that lifestyle, you're dealing with all of the energy and the pressures of maintaining that level of reality. And then you, but then again, you, you get kind of in that space, but then you realize, whoa, that's not just my reality. My reality is I have kids, I have a wife, I have friends, I have myself, I have all of these other, you know, a- aspects. And those aspects are just as important as then the one that in which you're operating from. And so what I loved about you was that you know, yes, I challenged you, but what was lovely about it was that you accepted the challenge. Well, I think it's, you know, I think in, at least in my business, it can be, it can be easy to get into kind of the value of optics, right? And what, what particular part of your life has the most visibility and that's where you tend to place your most energy. And I think, you know, as we know, 
you know, what defines a man or a woman is what they do when people aren't looking, right? Not what they do when people are looking, right? And I think the, the, the sooner you can figure that out, the more you can give yourself, you can start to pay yourself back, as we say. But yeah, that's interesting. I think, you know, life is about, you know, I think for me, you know, music obviously being the centerpiece, but not not necessarily the sun, right? right. So, so I think, you know, for me, engaging in the universal journey that is a life with music and art as a component of that is a lot easier for me than saying like music is what defines me. Um, you know, I think that, you know, what defines a person is how they kind of move through the universe and how aware they are of how, you know, thoughts become things, emotions uh, inform the universe as to how things are supposed to be, you know, those types of things, those kind of tiny uh, and medium size and large size and then magnificent miracles that are available to all of us, though that's the real kind of music in life. I, I agree. I think a lot of times, and I find this a lot with other celebrity friends of mine who get really caught up in the idea of their job, their career is them. And a lot of times people do that, not even who are celebrities are in that field. They, people do that in general. They, you know, they antiquate the value of who they are based on the things that they actually achieve and do versus acknowledging, whoa, wait a second. It's not about that. It's about recognizing the quality of the being that I represent and how I'm showing up in the world, how I'm showing up with myself, how I'm showing up with my friends, how I'm showing up with a guy who's driving me in the Uber, you know? And really being able to move out of that, that, that idea, because I think we've put so much emphasis on this need to, to lock down some kind of career or some position so that we feel worthy in society and feel, and feel that we matter enough to be able to speak or have a voice or to be able to have a relationship or whatever it may be. And, and like you said, and what I love what you just said, which was so poignant and beautiful, was that it's not the sun. And what do you think the sun is for you? Um, I think it's about how bright it is inside. I mean, I don't think it's really about how bright it is outside. I think, you know, we can easily fall into this trap, especially today with the mechanisms around us, um, technology, social media, those types of things. You get into this kind of false quantification where, you know, you've got 100 barometers telling you how much value you have, how good looking you are, how much people like you. And I think that's, it's just a, that's just a bunch of bullshit, right? I think, I think, <laughs> I love it. and I, and I've called you out on it and yes, you've called me out on it. Absolutely. And I think, I think once you subscribe, once you've subscribed to that, you've already lost, right? You've already kind of lost the game, um, at least as far as I'm concerned. Because, you know, if people say, you know, what was it like to play Madison Square Garden? What was it like to play, you know, two sold-out shows at the Forum? We just played the Forum again uh, last night or the night before. I'm thinking, like, it was okay and it was great. And I'm certainly humbled by, you know, the, the thousands of people that came to see the band. But what they don't know is that my greatest musical moments in the entirety of my career have happened in my studio, which is my church, when I'm practicing and have some discovery or I'm able to do something that I wasn't able to do, right? It's those types of things that really add value to my life that, you know, they culminate in those shows at the Forum and in Madison Square Garden, but it's not the be-all, end-all. 
the learning and the journey is where the value is, not the destination, right? You get consumed with this kind of destination-based outside quantification. And what does that lead to? It just leads to what I said before, this kind of constant state of waiting, right? And then you're waiting because you, you know or you think that things are going to get better. Things will never get better because better doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is right now. Yesterday doesn't exist anymore, and tomorrow you you never know, is right? Like the Beatles say. You just don't know. Engaging in present time and present time love is really all there is. And that's the only work we have to do because by doing that, we're we're fulfilling our role as human beings. So for me, it's like, you know, this kind of waiting around or what's gonna happen. I'm just I'm just not into that. And I think, you know, you were a big part of that. You were like, well, what's wrong with right now? <laughs> right? What are you waiting for? I mean, you know my wife, you know my two children. I mean, they're 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 great kids. And I I try to, you know, create an environment where, you know, the present is positive, right? And it's not about like coulda, woulda, should have. Because it's like I tend to I tend to think in terms of like what, right? I tend to focus my laser on what it is I think would benefit. I don't get into like how or why, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I, when, I, when I visualize something, I'm just visualizing kind of uh, an ideal, but I leave it up to the universe to determine how or <laughs> what, how that's going to happen, right? And it usually works out that way. Once I get into this kind of micromanaging or it's got to be a certain way or the wind's got to be blowing a certain way or the door's got to be painted red... It just, it turns into a huge pile of BS, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have this whole uh, mentality of like being lucid. I call it being lucid and being fluid. So if you're fluid and lucid with life, you don't have attachment. So you allow spirit to come through and put you in alignment. And the people who hustle and grind, and I know everyone has a, a new word for it, those are the people who are actually bringing people in their life who are not in alignment with their signature, that uh, getting involved in things that they're not supposed to be a part of. Like when I go to events, for instance, I don't go in events and be the social butterfly that runs around the room trying to meet every person because I'm afraid I have some kind of fear of missing out on someone, you know, that very FOMO behavior that people talk about. I go in and I know that spirit is going to align me with who I'm supposed to connect with and they're not, it's not me searching for them. They're going to come right to me. And all of a sudden I'm sitting on a couch and this, this doc, this doctor comes to me and we start talking about all kinds of things about health and wellness. And, and then this person sits down and this artist starts and then become good friends of mine, you know, and I don't feel the need to put any extra energy into any of these things. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to figure out, you know, how is this going to happen for me? And, 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 you know, what I put the energy into is clarity, clarity to me in, when I have clarity, I have power. So the more, when I have clarity of like, this is what I would like to have in my life. I want more peace. I want more joy. I want more happiness. Now universe, how you choose to bring that to fruition. I'm going to take the canoe. I'm going to take my oars and throw them out on the side. And I'm going to jump in that river and let's just see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. A hundred percent. I think that's, you know, once, once you get into that type of trust, um, trusting in, you know, your life and your outcome and also, you know, this kind of soul journey that continues to continues to go through birth and rebirth and, you know, acknowledging the lessons you're here to learn and being okay with that, you know, the, the, the quicker you start to float downstream, right? I mean, I see so many people paddling against the current and dismissing power and not being okay with people that are, that are perceivably more powerful than them and running from those situations. It's like, 
you can really wear yourself out quickly doing that stuff. I mean, that's that's why they say like swimming upstream, right? It's not it's not easy unless you're a salmon or what you know whatever. But um, and even for them, right? They die shortly after they breed. They uh, sure do. Um, but you know, I think you know one of the things that you know just just engaging with you over the years has really you know not forced me, but but you know a friendship like this requires you to be truthful, right? And I think you have to be able to live your own truth in order for change to come. And it can't be this kind of truth of convenience or the compartmentalization of some truths with the dismissing of other truths because they, you know, they jack with your vibe or whatever. It's got to be the truth, uh, altruism rooted in holism that, you know, really starts to uh, acknowledge the beauty but also the kind of dark side of of who you are and that's when i think at least for me like the change starts to happen i i agree and i think you know what was interesting too was when when you came to me so many years ago and i had said to you take a walk about like walk you have to like take this walk about and then really you know figure out what that means and when you walked away from the pumpkins i got people going on you know the what building websites against me like building websites and it was all about bashing shaman durek you know and i remember going online and there was this one website someone made and it was just like people after people after people of your fans saying horrible things about me and one of my friends was like does that bother you and i'm like no because they don't understand what i'm doing they they're looking from a small lens of they don't understand why spirit has led me to say these things to my brother so that he can gain a certain perspective so that when he goes back into that energy, this doesn't mean forever. This just means for whatever he needs it to be for him. And they don't understand that he's going to come back greater, stronger, and better than he was because he's going to come back fortified in a different way of seeing things. And so my friend was like, wow, I never thought about that. I go, watch, I'm going to even say something. And I, I wrote on there, I tapped into it and I said, I'm really happy how all of you are expressing yourself. Freedom of speech is so important. And I'm so glad you're getting all of this off your chest because I'm sure it bothers you because you don't understand what's going on. And I, I just want you all to know that. And all of a sudden, people started writing and going like, well, maybe he's not an asshole or maybe he is kind of cool or maybe... And one person's like, you're backpedaling. And, but the interesting thing about it was that I, I, it's, it's when you're very clear about something and who you are and you're very clear about being honest and truthful in your authenticity, you don't give a shit about what other people think. No, not at all. And, and I will say, you know, with that, nobody can make somebody do something. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you just, it's just really impossible. I mean, you can, you can point things out or illuminate uh, certain things and issues that will cause people to first and second thought about something. But, you know, nothing, nothing you said to me forced, forced my hand or required me to take a certain path. It certainly opened my eyes. And to your point, you know, coming back now to the band um, and having just, you know, uh, finished up a year of work with the with the band that has become this beautiful aligned powerful entity built on the foundation of compassion respect uh and love has been the greatest time of my life and that would have never happened i i would i the person that i was before wasn't capable of having this type of uh relationship and you know that's that's you know the band was was special enough and is special enough for it to require that type of soul searching so you can come back and be in service to the art. And I think now, you know, 
uh, Billy James and I and Jeff and, and Jack, you know, there's such a great camaraderie and such a great flow of art, ideas, love and respect going through the band. It's something I've never experienced before in my life. And it's, it's incredible. I was in the studio last night with Billy recording and just talking about just our love for music. And it's just fantastic that it's really gotten back to that core uh, foundational thing that brought us together in the first place. And all that kind of peripheral bullshit went by the wayside. Right. And now, you know, everybody realizes that the most important or the most valuable thing we have is our time, right? And how do we want to spend that time? It's got to be in in the best possible way. Like, this is a great way to spend my time, right? There's other things that aren't so great, <laughs> that, especially in Hollywood, right? There are <laughs> great ways to spend your time here. But, but really being cognizant of the value of each other's time and also our own time has brought the band together in just an incredibly powerful way. And anybody who's seen you know, one of the last 45 shows that we've done around the world can certainly testify to that because we, you know, this tour was extremely uh, long. It was an extremely long show. It was three and a half hours of drumming every night with a, you know, a drum solo at the end of the show. And, you know, I really, you know, from a physical standpoint, really had to get my shit together to be able to do a long show like that every night. But I got to say that after 40 plus shows, this is the least weary I've ever felt after a big tour like this. I feel like we could have went on for another year because there was so much tailwind behind the band and there was so much support going on from member to member that it just, it wasn't like breaking rocks like sometimes some of those tours can be when, when there is an alignment, right? So you had this kind of universal power that the band was just engaging in every night that was just it was transcendent. I mean, it, it was it was it was an out of body experience where it was just it's hard. I mean, I know I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. When you're just outside of yourself and you're just enjoying the beauty of watching your own human journey, I mean, to be able to replicate that night after night, and you know, to be, for that to be your job, I mean, it's incredible and it really, yeah. and in a large part, it has to do with each member's not just mine, but each members of the band's willingness and desire to look at the inconsistency that was that was around before and say, like, the band is worth more than that. Yes, yes. And, you know, and the band is necessary because the music that you all create is on a really shamanic level. I mean, I remember when you invited me and I've never listened to the Smashing Pumpkins and I have so many friends who are, you know, avid um, fans of the Smashing Pumpkins. And, you know, I wasn't, I was very sheltered in my, my upbringing. I was, you know, my training in shamanism and everything. And so I never was really, I, I was listening to a lot of Metallica and things like that, um, which I still do, of course. But the thing is, I sat down and at that concert and went on a deep, like, shamanic journey yeah. with the music well i mean that's that's how it is for me you know every night it's it's it is definitely a shamanic journey and i think there's a lot of healing that goes on uh in the course of a concert uh in the course of rehearsals you know there's a, an extreme amount of dedication of accountability uh, of all the things that really add up to a good human experience you know, those things, those are the components that make for, you know, a great musical relationship. And and again, I mean, you know, I, I do believe that everybody's journey is singular, but I do also believe that there's a grace 
and and a and a humility in this in this relationship that's very very special. Yeah, you know, it's the one of my favorite moments was when I was staying at your house with my niece Natalia, and um, I was in my room upstairs in your guest room, and you and Natalia were on the couch downstairs listening to jazz music, I believe it was. Sure. And you didn't know that I was peeking, watching you both because <laughs> I was spying, you know. But in my own like, and that was like the very beautiful essence of of ex- seeing two musicians loving music. I looked and peered over your balcony and looked at you both on the couch in the living room and watched your energy. And I started tearing up. Mm-hmm. And um, I never told you about it and never told Natalia about it. These are like my moments that I sure. like to hold in my sacred place, but now I'm sharing it with you. And I looked at both of you and you both were like, you know, you were bobbing your heads a little bit to the rhythm of this jazz. And you were both in sync and like in this connection of this value, appreciation, um, this love, this passion. And now I understand because my niece is a musician, you're a musician. And it's like, you can see your soul was there. Your soul was fully in that space and you both were glowing on the couch. <laughs> I started crying and I walked away from the balcony and I went in the room and I was like, that is how you know someone is living their truth. Sure. Because that's the energy you see, Yeah, you know? And, you know, obviously, you know, Natalia is an incredibly talented musician and, you know, along the lines of passing along the ancient wisdom, you know, it's up to us kind of elder statesmen and women to pass along that knowledge. So for me, you know, the ability to blow somebody's mind was something that they've never heard before, but I know is going to transform them in the most beautiful way. I mean, that's the best gift I can give anybody. I mean, we're on a similar path and, you know, I'm just saying like you, this, this, this music will change the way that you fundamentally think about everything you do from this point on. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just think, just think about that. If you can, if you have the power to do something like that and it's rooted in, in truth, honesty, and good, I mean, that's the greatest gift you can give somebody. Yeah, it's better than any gift you could ever give someone. Right. I mean, that moment was, I mean, for my niece, it transformed her life, you know, and she always goes back to that memory of being in that house with you. She's always like, that was the best moment was being invited to be there with both of you. I think we were, I think we were performing at the Soho house at that yeah, time. Yeah, That's why did. she was in town. She yep. performed with us. Which was amazing as well. I mean, yeah, that was another <laughs> out-of-body experience, but. Yeah, I don't even know what happened to me. I was like. You were like, okay, and you're going to do vocals, and then we're, and I'm going to put this band, and you, let's invite Natalia in the town, and we're going to perform at the Soho House in Chicago. <laughs> and I was like, do vocals, do what? Do meditation? I was like, but you know, every time you put me in that, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And it, people said, like, people wrote me and said, it, it like they went on a journey so deep, and it was so transforming. They're like, where's the album? Yeah, when yeah. is the album coming out? No, they were weeping at the show. I don't know if you remember. They were really. Uh... They were really blown away. And again, I think, you know, that's when you're able to trust, you know, in, in kind of what's going to happen and not get into the kind of minutia of micromanaging those types of things. I think, um, you know, when you asked me what we were going to do, I just said, we're going to do something based on the four seasons, right? Winter, spring, summer, and fall. That's and right. You sure did. Four, I remember that. I'll write, four, <laughs> I'll write four pieces of music and you just, you just go stream of consciousness and say whatever comes in to your soul and, you know, we became like one big, beautiful jazz improvisational orchestra 
that was rooted in this kind of shamanic journey um, that was very rhythmic, you know, very atonal at some at some at points. Um, but really, man, it was that was some heavy shit. And who was the who was the other guy? Because I really love him, and I keep yeah. forgetting his name. That was Oliver Horton on bass. Oh, Oliver, he's awesome, yeah. and he's another just great energy. And he he was recently married, and his uh, his wife Lydia is a, another fantastic musician. She's probably going to be one of the one of the youngest and uh one of the first female uh, symphony orchestra conductors in in the united states if not the world so she's extremely talented but yeah oliver's a great it's like you just know like what people to get around you to do stuff like that right people that are just they're going to engage in the vibe and they're going to they're going to take it somewhere right and then we performed uh we did our performance for jason and colleen for the for the revitalized for the mind body green yeah just and there was you, so, right? Yeah, it was just you and I on stage. <laughs> and this woman who wasn't even a part of the event, she was in her room and she called down to the hotel saying that she was shaking on her bed <laughs> and sort of like releasing all the pain from her childhood was coming out of her. Yeah. Like that's powerful. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we do. I mean, that's, you know, sh- shamanism is a very, you know, it's rooted in, you know, the things that make us feel, right? Rhythm, you know, harmony, it has a narrative that leads you on a journey. It has a, a story, you know, and those are the things. I mean, as musical shaman, you know, our job is to, you know, uh, define the narrative and then support the narrative with these components of harmony and rhythm, you know, and dynamics, right? And and when things get soft and sad, to be okay with that. And when things get loud and boisterous, to acknowledge that that's, again, still part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. So whether you're listening to, you know, Tony Bennett or Slayer, I mean, those, you know, those ends of the spectrum have equal value. I love Metallica, you know. I think I think in my book that comes out next year, I actually talk about Metallica. But literally, when I was a kid, I used to listen to Metallica and I would write the lyrics down and then I would go to my sister and go, I they're, they're they're telling the truth. Do you not hear what they're saying in their music? They're telling you the truth. Do you do you, do you not hear this? And she's like, I'm not listening to that music, you know. And they, what I love about music is I I look at music. So she now now I mean I'll be completely honest with you that music today kind of weirds me out a little bit. Sure. You know, I get very uncomfortable because I, I call it brain sting as I, I hear songs that are literally programming my brain for the, the matrix to keep me in a space of buying and doing things that it wants me to do. You know, it's like it's like using that Sanskrit mantra that was created to make you feel enlightenment and divinity and so forth and then changing it to do something else to me, you know? So when I listen to like, Smashing Pumpkins, when I listen to, uh, there's this one song uh, from this group, they're called um, Iron Butterfly, and it's a song called God of the Vita. Oh, yeah, in a God of the Vita. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it takes me. <laughs> you know, um, I listen to Metallica. I listen to Master of Puppets. I listen to Enter the Sandman. I hear, you know, all these things going on in my psyche starts opening up. You know, I listen to the Beatles. You know, I'll listen to the Doors. I'll listen to, you know, to my country music. I, you know, I love my, my, my Johnny Cash, and I, you know, I listen to all of these different songs and it literally gives me a visual in which I can project myself into. It opens me up to other worlds. And that's what I find very fascinating is that how on this planet, what would this planet be like if we didn't have music? Well, that's it. I mean, I think, and I think, you know, the thing that, that connects the people that you're talking about, whether you're talking about Johnny Cash or Metallica, you know, you're talking about, you know, self-expression in its most honest terms, right? Metallica, you know, arrived at their sound when they were all very young. 
And they were all, you know, just being completely honest with themselves as that's how they wanted to hear music. And I'm a massive Metallica fan as well, you know, because there's truth in the music, right? A lot of the stuff that you're talking about is you know, rooted in kind of, you know, AI or like dopamine triggers, you know, yeah, yeah. put together by little <laughs> tiny robots that we don't know. As I wear my Led Zeppelin shirt right, <laughs> right? now, representing um, Led Zeppelin. You know, it's not any different than, you know, the cell phone or anything else. You know, you're picking it up, putting it down, and it's kind of these these mini moments of engagement. Um, whereas, you know, a relationship with Metallica is a lifelong journey. A relationship with Led Zeppelin is a lifelong journey. Yeah. A relationship with our band is a, is a lifelong journey. It's not something that's disposable or just is rooted in, you know, uh, cultural tetherization to the moment, right? It has things that, that, that arc along long periods of time. I want to talk about that for a second because that was very powerful, what you just said. And I want to go into it a little bit. Why do you think people right now on Earth are being so like into that that digital dopamine release versus really connecting into what music really should be. You know, a lot of the mechanisms of today, whether it be print media or social media or uh, the availability of art in schools, you know, education, they disallow uh, at some point kind of a deeper uh, cognizance of, you know, the things that are inherently human, right? Like self-expression. Um, I just I just went through this um, audio book series called, it's called uh, The Great Works. And one of the ones that I just listened to was called Music as a Mirror of History. And it's a 12-lecture 12, uh, 12 series from uh, University, uh, I think the uh, Vanderbilt uh, professor on music, where he documents um, high points in music, right? Like he starts, you know, way back, like Mozart, Bach, you know, and goes all the way up through, you know, some of the modern Stravinsky, some of the mo more modern masters. But, you know, the hypothesis is that music and art, at least popular music and art, can always only be as sophisticated as the consumer base that consumes it, right? So whenever you have these high points in art, there's always a high intellectual capacity amongst the population to kind of understand it, right? So, so when I when I think about like you know where's the, where's the baseline of intellectual understanding of today, I often will just look at the art that's around us, right? Because popular art will always be predicated on some type of cultural tetherization, the documenting of these kind of cultural high and low points, and that's where where I kind of get my information. But I think you know if you look at like at least in America, right? I'm just talking about America because, you, as you know, right, I sit on the board at Columbia College in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very much uh, into education. Yes, and, you are. And, and most, more specifically literacy because I'm a huge reader, obviously. But Yeah, you teach me all kinds of words. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, like take the pumpkins, for example, right? In, in 1993, you know, America had the highest percentage of graduate, college graduates in the world. You know, literacy rates were, were much higher than they are right now. And for us, it allowed us, uh, you know, and that combined with MTV as another medium of self-expression, allowed us to create music that was pretty, 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 uh, um, pretty sophisticated, right? We had a fan base that at that point was reading Nietzsche, Dostoevsky. There was this real liter uh, hunger for literacy and, and a real uh, homage going on to the kind of high points, whether it be... Uh, Burroughs or Kerouac or Ginsburg. Yeah, I those love types, all them. Those types of things. I love Nietzsche and I love Kerouac. But a fan base that's reading those things allows you freedom to create 
in a, in a, with a wider parameter, right? As those things start to go away, you start get, you start to distill, you know, the art forms down into these kind of, you know, micro moments of engagement, right? The kind of point and click world. And I think that's, that's really, you know, and I'm not, I'm not making a judgment on the quality of music right now or the quality of art, because there's a lot of stuff out right now that I just love. And I think is really moving the needle forward. And there's the availability of more music on Spotify and the streaming platforms, has been nothing but great for me because I can sit around and listen to stuff that I would have never listened to before because I would have had to go buy the record or had to go buy the CD or go seek it out somewhere. So I think there's never been a more exciting time to be an artist. But on the other hand, I think popular artists, popular art will, will always be predicated on the intellectual capacity of the people that are buying it, right? So if you look at the difference between 1993 when America was number one in graduating college college graduates, we've now slipped to 14th in the world. We're 14th in the world for for graduating uh, for college graduates. Our literacy rates in America are 50 percent of Americans right now. Adult Americans are reading below an eighth grade level, with like something like 25 percent reading at a third grade level. You've got Mainstream newspapers like the New York Times and Time magazines written at a third grade level. You've got a president who can't even spell smoking. I don't know if you saw the tweet this morning, but I don't know if that was on purpose or not. But it just, <laughs> I mean, as somebody, you know, who was in the spelling bee, you know, seven out of eight years in grade school, you know, spelling was a big thing for, for me and my family. Yes. But, you know, you know, there was this, you know, and, 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 and just recently in the, in the, in the short history of this country, you know, there was a, there was this kind of anti-intellectualism movement that really, you know, uh, culminated in, you know, people being wary of education and kind of putting a putting a dark uh, a dark light on on people that were, you know, trying to better themselves through academia or or or, or reading. So, you know, with that, I think. For me, you know, when you ask me, like, what the solution is, my solution always is education, right? If you educate people, you create mobility, you create upward mobility in communities. That creates, uh, you know, this kind of uh, dovetail effect where, you know, those people go out into the community and create more awareness, you know, intelligence and, and, and those types of components that go along with that lead to a better life for people. And they start to see the value in, and and also, you know, allows people to research things on their own as opposed to believing what they're told. I mean, we live in a world where people are generally believing anything they read, right? Anything. <laughs> Which is absolutely crazy. For crazy. Me. So again, I mean, I think, you know, for us as shaman, as musicians, you know, our job is to be a reflecting pool of that and cause some type of, you know, realization in people that, hey, you know, they're reflecting things that may or may not be good, right? Spending seven, eight hours looking at a phone all day when, you know, uh, as opposed to like walking barefoot through a forest, you know, may not be the best thing for your health. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because as you were talking, I got really emotional. I started, I, I was like, I was about to have a, a, a crying spell. Well, I got a box of Kleenex right here. <laughs> <laughs> and why I was, was because, um, you know, it was like interesting because I was on the airplane flying back from New York on tour with my niece and she's sitting next to me. And I'm listening to all of these old 70s and 60s, you know, love songs, you know. And I was asking her, like, do you know who Isaac Hayes is? Do you know who this person is? And she's like, no. And I'm just like, you know, and I, I, get, I got really emotional for me because, you know, even like listening to Led Zeppelin or listening to Jimi Hendrix or listening to, you know, to The Doors and, you know, and listening to, you know, all of these music, it, you know, I feel real. 
I feel, I feel like I'm here and I feel like I can see clearer and I feel like I'm able to understand things more and that my mind begins to expand in so many ways. And when I listen to the things that pop on the radio, I feel like I don't feel any of that. And so I get emotionally sad inside because I feel like the music that's coming out is being music that's being created against humanity to, to, and I'm not saying all of it, like you said, but I'm saying the majority commercial style music that I hear coming out, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a weapon against humanity's consciousness to see the art, to see, like you said, to, you know, to be able to, to read uh, and get into philosophy and to get into, you know, reading books and stuff, you know, you know, just being able to to pick up a book versus turn on Netflix, pick up a book before, you know, turning on uh, or going to watch the new blockbuster film or that's, you know, out in the theater. Uh, but like really to like dive into, you know, other aspects of, of education that is being inherently given to you by the things that are just so naturally around you. And I think what has happened is that it's it, they're ripping society apart slowly to get into such a divisiveness and such a, a place of numbness and such a place of disconnectedness because they're brain stinging them so many times and they're creating movies that are all horror films and brains and and you know visually and audially and kinesthetically creating uh, uh, interrupters in their in their central nervous system in their sympathetic nervous system in their involuntary nervous system of how they're feeling and experiencing the world around them so it goes back to that whole feeling of like, you know, blindsiding or, you know, cascading, you know, um, people from, you know, what they're experiencing and just making them reactive and distractive people. And, 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 and that's why, like, whenever my friends around me put on that very commercial stuff, I go, you know, is it like, and that's another thing I was going to ask you too, but once I get with this thought, you know, I get, it, it, it hurts. I feel pain. And like, and people say like, why are you getting emotional right now? And I, I'm like, I'm getting emotional because what you're playing right now is dumbing us down. And, um, and my question I was going to ask you too, do you, are, you're on Spotify. Yes. Just randomly. Do you have a pay, a playlist? I do. Can you send it to me? <laughs> I will. Yeah. It's, I have made it a long time ago because somebody asked me to make it and I, I kind of made it uh, as avant-garde as I could just on purpose. Uh, I didn't really get into, like, I didn't spend a lot of time on it. I just put, like, the most whack shit I could think of on there that I uh, listened to a lot. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'll send it to you. Uh, I forget what it's called. But, again, I think your point about, you know, this kind of weaponization of media and weaponization of, you know, the art form is consistent. I think there's uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And I think, you know, what ends up happening, and I, when I do clinics, and master classes for for my instrument, you know, kids, kids, you know, they think that like being able to play, uh, string a bunch of chops and drum phrases together in a very complex way is like mastering the instrument. And 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 for me, really, technique and all that stuff is great. And listening to somebody play with you know a plum on the drum set and 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 a mastery of technique is 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 great. But really. You know, our job is to <clears throat> kind of take what's here in our heart and, you know, technique is a tool to take what's in our heart and paint it onto the canvas of our instrument. And if our instrument is being a shaman or if our instrument is being a drummer, you know, that's, those are the tools we need and no more. I mean, we don't need, we don't need more tools than we need to self-express ourselves. Well said. I think, I think when you get into art 
when this weaponization and the monetization of art and the only quantification of the value is rooted in economics, I think that's when you get into trouble, right? And I think that's the difference between some of the stuff you're listening to and some of the stuff we're hearing today. You know, at some point, at some point, it flipped from being the music business to being the business music, right? Where the business kind of pre, pre, presaged the music and people started to make a business out of making music as opposed to like, you know, what my father used to say, who my father was a, a amateur clarinet player. You know, he would say, you, you're a musician. It's like an illness. <laughs> You've got to create, right? You can't help it. I mean, you're going to, you know, people would ask me like, what, what would you be doing if you weren't playing, you know, this huge venue tonight? And I'd just tell them like, truthfully, I'd be playing some dump for free, man. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's, I didn't, if, I mean, if I would have told my dad, like, you know, I'm going to be a drummer because I want to make a lot of money. I mean, he would have taken me to the hospital, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes. Are you out of your mind? You want to be a drummer because you're consumed with drumming and you're passionate about it. And you obviously have a goal to be to be good at it and, and, and those types of things, which will lead to other kind of great things in your life. But, you know, once the economics become the guiding light, then you get into this, like, <clears throat> you're going to start allowing and validating this type of narcissism because it gives you, it gives you an, uh, an out, right? You can start to justify your own, your own uh, economic pursuits with this kind of base narcissism that everybody is engaging in. Yes, it's so true. You know, I did a, you know, I took a break from shamanism for a while and went to New York and got into, you know, a dance at the summer course for Alvin Ailey. And I, I got, you know, did that. And I got picked up also from this director who was shooting this film. And it's actually on Netflix. It's funny. And I play this uh, gangster, like grifter guy who goes after these people for money, whatever. But regardless of whatever role I played or whatever I did. Wherever I was, if it was at the, if I was at the Alvin Ailey or when I was shooting the film and I was on set, the director comes into my van and he says, he goes, you know, you, um, you made, uh, the makeup artists cry, the stylists cry, <laughs> um, the person who does our special effects, they're like, you know, they're, they're not moving at the speed that they should because you just did some shamanic stuff on them. Uh, could you please stop doing that? <laughs> and I just was like, and I sat back and I remember you know, I did all the scenes and I, you know, I, I played my role where I got killed at the very end and whatever. And the director said, oh my God, you know, you're such an amazing actor. You should come to Hollywood. You could be the next Samuel L. Jackson. You're really, you're, you have like really strong character. You understand, you know, the acting and sure. so forth. And I said, I, I can't do that. And he goes, why? I said, because even when I was here, I was being Shaman Durek. Like it was just, I couldn't sit in a van with, with with these these um, what is it called bagels and and cupcakes and this craft service from hell you know and and wait for them to set up this the camera for the next scene I was bored to death so I was going around the set you know just supporting people sure and being there and talking to the ancestors and being like oh and this is this and this and this and you know and literally I was like this is who I am well it's you know you know and I know and and certainly. My kids certainly know because I tell them, you know, probably five times a day. Uh, you know, my son Lucas is a gymnast, and you yes, know, my I, daughter Audrey is a. I love a, your children. Loves to write. 
you know, but we talk about it a lot and, and, you know, we talk about vocation, right. And vocation versus occupation. And I'm always saying like, look, you know, vocation, occupation is something you do because you have to eat, right. You're, it's something you do for money. Right. I mean, and that's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, but you know, a vocation is something you do whether you're getting paid or not. Right. And that's, you know, the key to this whole kind of puzzle is finding a vocation that, you know, will allow you to support yourself as well. And I've been extremely fortunate uh, to be able to do that in many, many different uh, ways through both music. And as you know, I was a tech CEO for three or four years, which was an incredible journey that, you know, I never thought would happen, but you uh, were totally well aware that it was happening, right? Yes, of Um, course. (laughs) But, uh, which was uh, crazy, another crazy time uh, that you and I have connected. But, you know, I think this whole... You know, I think what we're what we're ultimately talking about here is fear, right? And I think, you know, we've just made decisions to not go through life with fear, right? And and not make fear-based decisions. And when things are rooted in fear, they're rooted in weakness. And when things are not rooted in fear, they're rooted in strength. And I think those are that's a simple question you can ask yourself at all times when you're making any decision. Like, where is this decision coming from? Is it coming from fear? Like fear I'm going to starve or fear I'm going to, I'm going to miss out because that's when the universe is listening the most closely, right? When you're able to be honest with those types of internal decisions and that internal dialogue with yourself, that's when you're in your own church. That's when those movements will inform the rest of your life. The rest of it is just peripheral bullshit, right? Yeah. But like being being okay with whatever happens, as long as it's not fear-based, will allow you to live a life in truth. And that's, you know, and I'm not saying that I've conquered that or you've conquered that. We both know each other well enough to know that in order to have a human fucking experience, guess what? You got to be a human, right? Yeah, and being absolutely. a human involves what? It involves failing and eating shit every once in a while and saying the wrong thing or, you know, messing somebody up. I mean, it's it involves successes and failures. But, you know, being okay with those from a position of strength is really, you know, that those are the things that I like to think define myself, you, the people that I respect in this life have really gone through, my bandmates have gone through, you know, this life with their eyes wide open to the to the, to the possible fallout of their decisions, but knowing that there's only one way and that one way is rooted in power and not in weakness. Right. And just to add to what you're saying, instead of saying successes and failures, tribe, we want to change failure to refinement, right? Because we're never failing at anything and the universe is always in motion. So the object is always that we're polishing, we're refining, we're rutilating, and we're basically culminating the right type of energy so that we can actually become even greater. So we're enhancing ourselves. Because the the, the understanding is that if we are recognizing that being a human we are stepping into a refinement with ourselves, right? So everything is a refinement. The way we talk, the way we interact with our families, the way that we eat, the way that we treat our bodies, the way that we, we everything that we do can use refinement, right? And, you know, I mean, I was having... I was having food the other day with a very important person and um, my niece looks at me and she goes, did you know that you were eating with your mouth open and food was flying out of your mouth? <laughs> you know, and instead of taking it like... And you were getting, like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was because, you know, I'm a monster. <laughs> uh, I'm a beast. I'm a beast. I'm a beast. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, and it was interesting because I go, oh, I know why my niece is my manager. She's re- she's a, she's a refinement tool. She refines every single like we go to things, and she goes, oh, that's the such and such of that country. Oh, that person does that. Oh, this person does this. Oh, this person has just did like a big fundraiser for that. She knows about every detail of what's going on, and she's like, remember, you have to remember this situation, and so. She refines me. And so sometimes in life, we can't get upset with ourselves and beat up on ourselves because we feel like we're failing or not doing it right. We have to understand that something is not happening a certain way. It's not because the universe or God or some outside force is coming and colliding with us and making our lives difficult. It's because we are in the process of refinement. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's words of wisdom right there. I mean, I think, you know, the lessons, those types of lessons that we learn are the most valuable lessons, right? I mean, those are, those are the things like, you know, there was no, there was, there was no greater gift to all of us is when somebody finally burnt their hand in a fire and was able to tell us all not to put our hand in it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I call it, I call it my face plant moment, you know, I'm like face, face plant, face plant. You know, <laughs> and yeah, I laugh right. and I make jokes about it with my team because, you know, it's like sometimes people think, you know, being Shaman Durek that I have it all figured out and I don't and I don't pretend to and, I, and, and, and I'm happy that I don't because I get to learn. And like before we even went into the share, we were talking about that. We were talking about how, you know, the same, same. I think, you know, one of the things that I talk about in my book that comes out next year is there's a chapter in it where I talk about the same, same, is that how the reason why we don't have such a global connection on planet Earth is because human beings like to go into cliques because it makes them feel safe. It's like their safe zone. It's like, oh, that person knows me because they like me, they dress like me, they talk like me, and they do the same things that I like to do. But that doesn't help you to evolve. No, no, those tribal beliefs can be very toxic, right? And, the, and you know, the saying, you know, live by the tribe, die by the tribe is very, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you think, you know, they're saying now, you know, some of the doctors that you and I know and are well-respected in integrative medicine and, and, and food-based, uh, food, food is medicine, are saying that, you know, oftentimes your zip code can have more to do with your, uh, with your health than your DNA. Right? Exactly. Right. So I exactly. Mean, I mean, you know, what you see, what you eat, what the, those around you, how they take care of themselves. I mean, those are the types of things. It's like, it's like, you know, this whole like blaming others for your situation. And, you know, Lucas, when he was a young man, you know, he, he, he's a gymnast and he would say, Oh, I didn't do good because of X and Y. And this person did that. And I, and I would tell him, you know, it's okay because you're five years old and that's what a five-year-old does, right? He blames things as part of, a, blames people as part of growing up, right? But I said, you know, eventually if you're going to blame that person for your failings, then you're going to have to at some point give them your medals also. Because if they have the power to make you lose, they also have the power to make you win. Mm, what a so, fine point right? that is. So mm. if you want to give them all of your medals to allow you to blame them for all your losses, then go ahead, right? But then you see, you know, his young mind and he's like, well, shit, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to be accountable to both my losses and my victories because my victories are, you know, my, where, where I get my sense of pride and, and achievement from, right? So I think that's, you know, something we need to keep in front of us is that we're going to, you know, if we're going to predicate our losses on the actions of others, then we have to be well ready to give them our victories as well. Mm, that's so good. And I remember I was at your house and he actually made a comment and you were actually um, um, giving him instruction and, and counsel on a situation like that. I think it was one of his meets and something. And he was talking about one of the kids did something and you were like, uh, you had turned around and said something to him. I always love 
being in your home when you're actually <laughs> giving counsel to your children. Oh, it's, yeah, that's <laughs> false, you know. I mean, your children are amazing, <laughs> by the way. Your wife's amazing. I, I, I think I, Lori just wrote me the other day, and I, I sent her messages back and forth, and... Um, you know, it's so wonderful to be in your home. I love your home because it's so festive. Your wife is so amazing because every holiday, like like Halloween is the best in your house. Oh my God, it's like Christmas on steroids right now. <laughs> I mean, That's the one thing I missed this year is being <laughs> at Halloween in your house. I was like, I got to get to Chicago. I got to get to Chicago. But I kept looking at my tour, my tour session and I was just like, oh, I'm not going to get to Chicago. Yeah. But that's like my best is being, because like what I love about your wife, Lori, is that she'll like, She'll put the costumes together and she decorates the house, but it feels like you're in a whole experience, oh, you know? Yeah, me. And your kids, I love playing Dungeons and Dragons with them, especially when <laughs> Lucas goes ahead and kills me every time he decides <laughs> to put me on the game. Like, yeah. I get like singled out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, a, in an act of non-D&D divine retribution, he just got his braces on. So it's a little payback right now for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, kids are doing great. Everybody's good. Um, you know, they're just about getting ready for Christmas break. And, you know, Lucas is doing good. I can't complain, man. I just, it's just, I, I will say, you know, there's a lot of this kind of, you know, especially here in LA. I mean, everybody's kind of this, like we said before, in this kind of constant state of waiting for things to happen for them. And I think, you know, for us, as we know, it's not about waiting, it's about doing, right? Absolutely. It definitely is about doing. And so, you know, going into that, what would be three things that you would tell the tribal members who are listening to this share to, to think about? Well, again, I mean, I think, you know, we have to be cognizant of, of, of the solitude and the sacredness of our singular journey. And, and, and with that, you know, how our, our, our self-made actions impact the lives of others, right? I think that would be one. I think, you know, our, our greatest, greatest thing that we can do uh, in this world is to give back, right? You know, teaching children, adults, learning ourselves is, 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 a, is a great gift. And third, I mean, I think, you know, the accountability uh, is, is, is something that really needs to be a part of, of our rite of passage. I think everybody needs to realize that they're the master of their own destiny. And, you know, this kind of lack of accountability around our own circumstances is toxic and it can really misinform a life and really derail uh, a good trajectory when you get into this kind of blaming or on the other hand, or, or uh, over-rewarding, right? Or, or saying that, you know, I wouldn't be here without so-and-so or thank, thanks, thanks to, you know, all these people for allowing me to be who I am. Well, that's, that's not how it is. I mean, you're who you are because you're who you are and you've mm -hmm. made choices in truth and not choices in fear, right? So I don't know. Is that three things? I think it is three things. And <laughs> what would you five. recommend as far, as far as a musical, uh, something musical that everyone in the tribe can go listen to, to just be in a space that your space that you would like them to experience. Oh, well, geez, that's a that's a tough one. Well, I remember uh, Natalia and I were sitting on the couch listening to the first uh, Chikoria uh, Return to Forever record with some time ago La Fiesta on it, and it's about a twenty minute composition uh, with uh, Chikoria or Tomariera, Stanley Clark, and it's just an incredible journey of the senses through that um, through that uh, 
uh, rainforest of music. That was amazing. It had me crying on the balcony. <laughs> I was being a big crybaby up there. No one knew. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is amazing. And I'm so honored, you know, to have you here in studio, to be here for this share. Because, you know, our friendship from the year, I've learned so much about myself through being friends with you. I've learned so much about myself in some of the superficial aspects of myself as well. And I've learned so much of myself about the moments of really surrender and really being able to just listen and be like, get out of my own way. And it's because of this beautiful friendship that we've had. So I'm very honored by you. Yeah. And likewise, I mean, I think, you know, you know, this, this relationship has been incredibly powerful in my life and, and remains, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you and I don't even have to talk every day anymore we just know right and when, exactly. and, and when we talk we just we just upload and download and it's it's all beautiful so i thank um you know the universe for this friendship as well i love you brother same well how can oh yeah one more thing how can people um get in touch with you or find you or follow you or well they can follow me on instagram i'm chamber drums and they can i don't i'm not much on twitter but i'm jc complex on twitter or they can follow my cat, you know, Willie uh, underscore Silverboy has his own Definitely, Instagram. should definitely follow Willie. Uh, uh, has his uh, own Instagram, and I think he's got about 2,000 followers I now. I bet he does. And we have a new cat we're getting uh, over Christmas. So oh, I didn't three, know about that one. Three kitties and two dogs now, yeah. Yeah, I finally got my way. And got my <laughs> That's great. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I love it. <laughs> well, definitely should follow Willie because Willie is a magical cat, okay? <laughs> I remember one time I was sitting in the kids' room and Willie like, did some kind of jump, jump, and some kind of weird kind of movement in the air and landed on top of the head of a bear <laughs> and just stood there like a, like from an Egyptian oh, time. I remember it was that. so yeah. sacred. It was in I was the playroom, like, right? Yeah, in the playroom. And I was just like, <laughs> Whoa! Did you see that? That's crazy. And sometimes he'll just pose himself in this way and look at you as if he's like looking at all the different aspects of you. It's oh really, yeah. Well, you when you're around, you bring out you know you bring out his ancient awareness. It's something else, <laughs> I tell you. So definitely go follow Willie. And while you're at it, go follow this guy over here. <laughs> Great to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Exciting news, tribe! My new book. Spirit Hacking is now available at Barnes and Noble and Amazon and wherever books are sold. Put a pre-order in, tribe. We are here to change the world with this book. And by pre-ordering this book, it is making it possible for me to be a New York Times bestseller. So the more books we sell on pre-order, when all the books go out, it's going to be great. It's about being lit and it's about spreading that fire around the world. Invite to ignite. Let everyone know spirit hacking is available. Love you. Tribe, how amazing was that? To, to, to really just step into that place. And I really do encourage you that what Jimmy said about that song, you know, because that moment of him and my niece Natalia was something beautiful to see, the, the vibrancy of energy that they both had. And, you know, and just everything we talked about was just everything that we need right now for the soul. It's food for the soul, tribe. And it's about really stepping into a place of like what he said, which is to, to get into that space of that singularity, getting into that understanding of self, not waiting 
Like, let's end the waiting now, right now. It's not about tomorrow. Because remember, tomorrow doesn't happen. It's always now. And the past creates your next now, right? So if you want to have a better tomorrow, act now. Be present now and do the things you need to do right now. And remove the fear, take the leap, and love yourself even more every day. Yeah, it's so wonderful. So if you're not following me at Shaman Durek at Instagram, please do so so you can get onto those Instagram lives and have talks with me. As well, if you want to level up your abilities, you can go and check out shamanduric.com and also get on the newsletter so you can find out all the juicy tips and all kinds of ideas to be able to shift and lift your life into higher levels. And go by all means and follow Willie. I love you all so much. And until next time, bye. <laughs>